This week on I Know You Hear Me with Flynn Hendricks. I think the people that are most successful, um, they will just give up everything to follow this passion. Mm -hmm. And I just said to myself, look, if it never happens, I'll just have all these manuscripts. I'll just pass it out to yeah. the family and whatever. But then I was always coming up with something new. And it's true. It's like you start with an idea, you create it, you finish it, and you're in mourning. Mm -hmm. So you have to, I always felt I had to have that next idea. Yes. And that energy just flowed and it became a part of me like my family's a part of me and the life around me but I needed something that I loved mm -hmm. something that was a part of me and that's what kept me going this was mine wrestling promoter looking to promote your next big event? Maybe your wrestling school or possibly even introduce your roster to a greater global audience? Then the I Know You Hear Me podcast is the way to go. And if you know from listening to this show, you know that we're very big on professional wrestling. So if this is something that you're looking to capitalize on, email me at theflynnhendricks at gmail.com, subject line wrestling promotion, and let's see what deals I can work out for you. I promise you won't be disappointed. And I know you hear me. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another awesome episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast with me, Flynn Hendricks, professional wrestler, actor, podcaster, guy who doesn't sleep extraordinaire. Come on into the studio, get comfy, give yourself a break, grab a hold if you're a wrestler, and get ready for another awesome conversation. So guys, I hope this week has been treating you well as you hear this, whether it's on Friday when it drops or whenever you decide to listen to it. I hope it finds you in a good place. And if for some reason it doesn't, I hope it brings you out better on the other side. And if this is your first time listening, I thank you for joining us. And I've got to highly encourage you to go subscribe. You've already seen that we're available on all major podcasting platforms. So if you would subscribe on your preferred one, leave a written review, leave a five-star review if you think I've earned it, and share and spread the word, I would greatly appreciate it. And then I'll see you again next week when you come back for your next episode. And if you're waiting for more content in that week's time, feel free to go back into the archives and listen to the multitude of interviews I have waiting for you. If you want to hear my chats with friends in the voice acting world, other actors, professional wrestlers, people that have been to the big stage, or people that are on their way there, entrepreneurs, teachers, you name it, I've got something for everybody, and I want you to go back and enjoy it and help pass the time throughout your week. And... Also, too, if you're somebody that is looking to start a podcast, maybe get into the world of professional wrestling or get into the world of acting or voice acting, or maybe you're a professional wrestler that is wanting some work on character development, give me a shout. Check the show notes below. Email me, theflynnhendricks at gmail.com. Use the subject word coaching, and I will get you taken care of. Rates are affordable, and I'm going to get you pointed in the right direction so you start your career and follow your dreams on the right path. And on top of that, too, guys, if you want to support this show, feel free to check out the merch I have available. Or come see me at a local convention if I'm in your area, or a wrestling show if I'm in your area, because have boots will travel. Have con will travel. I want to get out. I want to meet you guys in person and maybe have you on the podcast if you stop by the booth. So let's make that happen. But I also want to see you guys wearing these cool kick-ass shirts that I've got. I've got my 
favorite one so far, the animated design that Katrina Piscina, a former guest of this show and one of my improv group mates, she designed that, and it is going left and right. People love it, and hopefully by the time you hear this, I'm going to have it available in a few more colors. So guys, if that's the one you want to get your hands on, I know you hear me when I say you got to email me and use the subject line shirts. We'll get you taken care of. I accept Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. You're going to get it. You're going to get it with tracking. You're going to get a shout out on social media. You're going to get a shout out on the podcast. And on top of that, too, a portion of every sale does go to the Nashville Humane Society so we can help those fur babies. All that is good stuff for me, guys. And good stuff, too, is staying busy. I'm finally getting into the groove of my new job. That weird transition of leaving a job you were with for almost eight years, trying something else, and then going back to a field you're better suited in. It was an, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was an adjustment that I wasn't ready for. I was just oblivious to what was going to happen. I thought I would just be happy to get out of the toxic environment I was in, but man, I've been dealing with those, uh, those feelings you have when you break up with an ex or you leave a bad relationship or maybe leave a bad friendship and you sometimes regret leaving or you feel like you should have never left because it's what you were so used to and what you were comfortable with for so long even though you know that you made the right decision those thoughts can still creep in because it's what you were so used to for so long you've got to be aware that these changes are going to take place and Uh, full transparency, I wasn't. I tried to just push it out the window and thought, hey, I may be taking a pay cut by leaving, but I'm going to be happier. Well, I wasn't because there were still things that I had to get adjusted to, things I had to deal with on my own, and just a lot of other things life was throwing at me. But it really seems like we're getting in a positive trend here and moving in the right direction. So knock on wood, that stays. I'm putting a lot more priority on self-help and self-care and Finally made the decision to talk to my doctor and try out an antidepressant because, man, after this year, as I'm recording this, it's been over a year since the literal year from hell started where I start off with a dog that has cancer and unfortunately passes away. Our other dog gets a tumor a couple months after he passes and he has to be put to sleep. Then our third dog attacks our child and unfortunately we had to make the decision after a very bloody trip to the emergency room to put him down and my grandfather's cancer diagnosis, which thankfully he's back on the mend and making tremendous improvements. My mother having open heart surgery, just literally anything and everything that could go wrong did. But there were also some positive moments in there, but it always seemed like they were getting overshadowed by the by the negatives that were creeping into my life. And I finally realized that Shit, I can't do this on my own. I've got to talk to somebody. I've got to have faith. And I've got to make the right decisions, not only for myself, but for my family. Because what example, what kind of example am I setting for my kids if I'm not doing this? And I'm just bottling up all these scared, frustrated emotions and just letting them come out in the most inappropriate ways and setting a bad example. So I finally pulled the trigger. I made that choice. And I feel like I'm moving in a right direction. And... Oddly enough, too, I feel a lot better physically. Well, not oddly enough, because they say mind, that's the most important thing you have to train. And I can definitely speak to that because since all this has started and since I've started on this journey of trying to add more positivity into everything, I have dropped 13 pounds so far. I've got a lot more to go, but man, I'm going to keep it going. And 
I got to look good in revealing spandex and some new knee-high boots I ordered. So, guys, we got to make that happen. I got to look good when I'm back on WWE TV again. Yes, I'm manifesting that. And hopefully by the time you hear this, a few more uh, appearances will have been made. And you can get those pictures at my merch table, too. So feel free to stop by, and I'll sign that for you. And again, a portion will go to the Nashville Humane Society. But, um... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now, and I feel like I have rambled long enough. Oh, here's the other thing. Make sure you're checking out my wife's Etsy store. God, she would have my ass in a vice if I didn't mention this. Check out her Etsy shop, Decals by Ken's, because like I've said before, I've used her designs on my protein shakers, on my water bottle that I carry around every day. Guys, these things have lasted for over two years. And that's going through the dishwasher, going through hand washing, sitting in my lunchbox. Like, guys, these things last. So go to Etsy, check out Decals by Ken's, and see what she can do for you. And if you use the promo code Flynn, you'll get 10% off your order. And how could I forget? Shame on me. Guys, if you want to advertise on this show, if you have an event coming up, if you have a service you want to get out to the world, whatever it may be, wrestling show, haunted house, local event, charity, services you offer, whatever it may be, let me advertise for you because this audience is growing. And not just nationally, it's global. So let's get your word out there. Let's keep these numbers going. Let's get eyes and ears on your products and events because these downloads are going up and I want to help you out as best I can too. So let me be a cheerleader for you. Let me promote what you got. And I know you hear me when I say, I think I have finally rambled enough. And we're going to take a quick pause for one of our advertisers and be back on the other side with today's interview. I want to take a minute and thank our newest sponsor and partner, Dubby Energy. And while I'm doing that, I want to ask you a question. Are you like me and trying to find that pick-me-up throughout the day or just trying to find a way to get yourself going when you wake up in the morning? Well, then look no further because I'm about to give you my exclusive code to Dubby Energy. And if you don't know what Dubby Energy is, let me fill you in a little bit. It's a natural energy drink that doesn't have the crash, doesn't have the jitters, it's keto-friendly, and it has all the good ingredients that your body needs to help on focus, getting energy, and keeping going throughout the day. And you don't have to worry about the crashes or the jitters at the end of it. I've started using it, and God almighty, do I notice a big difference. My focus is where it needs to be. My concentration is on point, and I am absolutely crushing it in my workouts. And it's helping me on those long road trips to wrestling shows, too. Because, you know, as a traveling world television champion, I'm all over the place. I've got husband responsibilities. I've got dad responsibilities. I've got everything going on, and this stuff helps me get through it all. So if you want to try it for yourself, use my exclusive code, Glenn Hendricks, all one word, and use the link in my show notes below to go check out W Energy and get some for yourself and feel as amazing as I'm feeling right now. And you won't be disappointed. And I know you hear me. All right, guys, we are back. And like I was mentioning at the start of the show, this year has been filled with a lot of ups and downs and a lot of curveballs I wasn't expecting. And my guest tonight... Um, has been very patient and very accommodating through all that. We've had to reschedule at least twice, so we're going to go with third time's the charm, and I'm absolutely excited and over the moon to be chatting with her here tonight. And you may know her as the author of one of the Amazon bestsellers, and as I'm checking it right now as we're recording, there are only two copies left in stock, so I'm going to have links in the show notes. If you want to get this, you better jump on it quick. But she is the author of the esteemed book, Tigers Love Bubble Baths and Obsession Perfume. 
Who knew? It certainly wasn't me. And she is also the author of the Girl in the Toilet Paper uh, trilogy. So it is my pleasure to have on the show tonight, Mary Kay Savarese. Mary, thank you so much for not only being patient, but for joining me here tonight. This is going to be an awesome chat. I already know. Oh, it's my pleasure, Flynn, to be here with you and your wonderful audience today. Thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. And you, you got me really excited because, like, some of the things we were talking about before we started recording here, I am really fascinated to get into. And just some of the reasons that got you to write this book, too, that I was doing my research on kind of blew my mind because it's stuff I would never have expected. So, I mean, let's just jump right into it. With somebody yeah. with as diverse of a background as yours, you know, getting your business degree in accounting uh, from City University in New York, um, you are not only you don't only have that. You were also a religious education teacher. What led you to start writing these books and have these pretty creative and quirky names to go along with it? What led you down to that? Well, you know, Flynn, this is my second career, so I raised my family. Mm-hmm. Kids took off. Um, they're adulting, thank God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're all very <laughs> successful. Glad and to hear it. you know what? It was, you know, I have my degree. I worked in finance, what many women do. We wear many hats. Mm-hmm. And then, as yourself, too, we, um, you know, you volunteer. You raise the kids. You do this. Well, always in the back of my mind, I had these creative ideas but you have to prove it to yourself. Right. So, um, you know, one day I said, hey, let me sit down and let me try to write a manuscript. And that took a good year and a half and several years of rejection because um, I am an overnight success, a 10-year overnight <laughs> success. That's it. That's it. It was my goal to be a traditionally published author. So it took me 10 years um, before I did receive my first contract. Now, 10 years, a little bit beyond that, to be self-published was taboo. Not today. I don't want to throw any authors off kilter Mm -hmm. because today you have so many avenues open to you, which is wonderful. Amazon opens up that self-publishing world, right? Um, Other publishers opened up where you have co-publishing. And what happened to the big players on the block, they shut you down. You have to have a literary agent to go to them. So, But I'm still grateful there are smaller publishing houses out there that are still willing to look at your work and to speak with you personally. So that's been a blessing. And that's where I have ended up. Absolutely. And you kind of gave me some questions uh, in your story there that really kind of piqued my interest. And one is, um, what made you want to, you know, just sit down and write that manuscript? Was there something that piqued your mind in the real world and just kind of motivated you to go to that? Was it something you've been sitting on for a while? Because you mentioned too, like having those thoughts in the back of your mind. And that's something that I and a bunch of my other like creative and artistic friends deal with where we have these thoughts, but it's not always easy to act on them. How did you convince yourself to pull through on that? Because in all honesty, in today's day and age, it's easy to be your own worst critic and talk yourself out of things that may make you successful. Yep. So how did you overcome that and start putting pen to paper? Well, 
again, everybody has that origin story. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, the first two kids started to um, graduate high school and went off to college. I think my youngest one, at that point, young adult, and I write for young adults and older, mm-hmm. um, was starting to open up. And back then, we still had borders. Book, we still had bookstores. Right. Oh, um, the best. And I remember she walked into the borders, and they didn't quite know what to do with young adult yet. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I had walked around, and she was looking and just stood over this one book. Well, come to find out, when you're 12 or 13, I don't want her reading about sex and drugs. Right. Things have, um, I mean, they know what they're doing now and how to character, you know, categorize these books. But in the beginning then, it was just like left out there. So I said, you know what, I've got ideas. And I just started to put, you know, my thoughts down to paper. And um, because... I think for me, as I mentioned, it was the second career. Mm-hmm. And I had such passion. I couldn't wake up. I mean, I couldn't wait to wake up right. in the morning and get these ideas down on paper. And so they just kept flowing, and that just kept me going. And I loved it. I loved it mm-hmm. so much. But then on the other side, I had to build that tough skin yeah. because as I was writing and I – Back then, um, bigger publishing houses were still open to new authors, mm-hmm. and they would critique your work, which was great. So they say, yeah, you can write, but it's not what we're looking for, mm. because they were looking for the new Harry Potters. They were into right. the Warlocks. They were into the Vampires. Yeah. But that's not where – I love fantasy, but that's not where my fantasies mm-hmm. went. And one thing I've learned is if you're chasing those tales, right – um, it's going to pass you by. Yep. So stick with the ideas that you think that are best for you and pursue those. Absolutely. And my next question uh, is stemming off of two things you said that I guess I can say are my favorite phrases. Um, one, you said overnight success in 10 years, which that's that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is a lot of my guests have been classified as overnight successes, but it took 10 years, 17, 20, yeah. however long it was. But now that people know them, they just assume they fell into it. And you also mentioned, you know, thick skin in a in this world where you're putting yourself out there, you're putting your ideas out there. And like you said, it took 10 years of rejections and everything else. How did you stay motivated and keep yourself in a positive mental space to keep going and keep pursuing that passion, even though like everybody else and these big publishers were telling you you could write, but it just wasn't what they were looking for. How did you process all that? Because I loved it. I right. had such a passion for it. And that's, I think, the people that are most successful, um, they will just, give up everything to follow this passion. Mm -hmm. And I just said to myself, look, if it never happens, I'll just have all these manuscripts. I'll just pass it out to the family and whatever. But then I was always coming up with something new. And it's true. It's like you start with an idea, you create it, you finish it, and you're in mourning. Mm -hmm. So you have to, I always felt I had to have that next idea. Yes. And that, energy just flowed 
and it became a part of me. Like my family's a part of me and the life around me. But I needed something that I loved, mm -hmm. something that was a part of me. And that's what kept me going. This was mine, Absolutely. whether it was going to work out or not. And um, I mean, it was, I had a big birthday coming up. And I said, God, when is this going to happen for me? I'm going to be 80 years old. And um, a contract came in right before that big birthday. Wow. So said, See, you have to have faith. And I was like, oh, my God, how much more faith can I have? Yeah. But you put it out there and it came back to you, too. So, I mean, somebody, somebody's obviously looking out for you and the faith pays off. But um, something something else you said in there, too, uh, really, really grabbed my attention. And then we'll move on to the titles, too. You mentioned, um, what, like, what comes next? You're in mourning when that when you finish that manuscript or you finish that novel. Yeah. Did you ever find it hard to shut that switch off? Because I've been guilty of this. I've professed it more times than I can count. I have a hard time resting on my laurels or appreciating something that I've done because... I'm always looking to the next thing, and that was a big part of the corporate culture I was in. Yes. It was a lot of what I was raised around, so it was hard to get out of that and actually slow down and see the forest through the trees, so to speak. But what was that like for you? Because I know a lot of artistic and creative people get caught up in that same hamster wheel, and it's a very hard habit to break. So what did you do for that? Um, I would always walk, and I still do. I walk around with the notebook. And authors, we tend to be introverted. So we're always looking, getting ideas. Mm -hmm. I'm writing down, like, as we're going to discuss titles. I'm all about titles. And Absolutely. I'm inspired by something in my life. So I've got, like, pages of titles, just titles. And then I'm inspired by that. And I'm like, there's an idea. And that creativity just inspires inspires me to I keep love it. going but yeah you know nobody I mean you have to be your own cheerleader mm -hmm. because everybody really I mean who's going to be for you if you're yeah. not for yourself exactly and that's uh, that's something that I've preached um not to take it away from like creative writing or anything like that but in acting and anything that you do you have to bring your creative authentic self to it you have to believe and have passion in what you're doing because if you're trying to sell it to an audience and they can't feel that energy coming from you why would they invest their time and money in that if you right. don't believe in it it's not going to sell right. to the masses oh and i wanted to jump on this when you said that authenticity mm -hmm. you the real you yes then you're going to sell it that's it because there's only there's only one of you in the world, despite there right. being billions of people, and there's something about you that is different from everybody else out there, and that is something that will stand out. And if you can, if you have faith in that and you believe in it, that will sell you. And you just have to, like yeah. you said, you have to be your own cheerleader. Yeah. And that's something uh, that's going to transition us over to these titles now, because, like you said, you're almost. I'll I'll say you're a master at coming up with these quirky titles because you know like i i'd never would have thought tigers love bubble baths i would not think that would be a book title but here it is and it's an amazon bestseller so that's what i get for thinking how did you come up with that title and what led you to start creating these very creative and very unique titles for your stories well this was my fourth manuscript 
and I was influenced um, by an event in my life. I was visiting a friend of mine in St. Augustine, Florida, mm-hmm. and she said, come on, Mary, we're going to go visit um, this wildlife uh, reserve. And what this reserve was, was an old home for not kittens or cats, big cats, wow. tigers and wow. lions and panthers. And what I mean by old folks' homes is um, they were tossed aside. Maybe they were done with the circus mm-hmm. and they were oh, old. Or they were tossed aside from a cable show or a movie set or something. Mm-hmm. And they were brought to these reserves, yeah. to this reserve in St. Augustine, Florida. And um, we, the end of the tour, I go to um, this very thin cage, and there is a vat about 12 feet wide, 5 feet high, overflowing with bubbles. And this is the last part of our tour. And I said to myself, geez, what could this possibly be? Right. The other, the other um, like big cats that like tigers are tossed aside, people have them as pets. And what became of tigers became a very big show, which we know the whole Netflix series, mm-hmm. right, on Tiger yep. King. Okay. So I'm waiting there and saying, what is going to happen with this bat of bubbles? And out walks this 600-pound Siberian tiger, walks across the plank, looks as though he's taking off a robe, and he slips into this bat of bubbles like a human being. And there's a wildlife handler standing on a ladder, and she sprays obsession perfume on his tongue. And I went, Tigers love bubble baths and obsession perfume. Who knew? That is the story. Wow. Uh, that is going to be the title of my next novel. Now I have the title. So what became, this became very much a metaphor. Tigers, big cats, tossed aside like an old shoe. And I wrote a murder mystery um, intertwined with the supernatural about my protagonist, Angie Pantera, who was tossed aside like an old shoe at her 25th wedding anniversary by her husband. And she oh. has to start all over again. Is she resp- And I have murder after murder. Is she responsible for that? Or will she be murdered? So, And my publisher at the time said, Mary, please tell me you have a tiger with a bubble bath. I said, absolutely. It's my climax. So they let me keep the title. <laughs> I love because, it. And it, it's amazing how people love the title. Man, that, and that, it jumps out because it's not, one, it's not yes. something you would expect. And I, I didn't know where the obsession perfume part of the story came in, and that's Got my wheels oh. turning for why they chose that specific perfume, but that's, I mean, that, that jumps out, that grabs your attention. And, There's a reason. Oh, yes. Would you mind sharing they, that? I would love to. So now this wildlife reserve, they take in these big cats now with tigers. And this is true in the wild for tigers. Um, they take obsession perfume because of the pheromones in it. And okay. they spray it on the rocks. And what it does is it calms these tigers. 
So they literally, it's not like we would go up to them and they'd be lovey, you know, you'd be lovey-dovey with them. But it calms them. They love the scent. And they lick it up like crazy. It's amazing. It's the pheromones in it. They're just attracted to it. Fascinating. So this is, audiences love this because you cannot believe that a tiger, the tiger will sit in that bubble bath all day. Go on the internet. You'll see them in bubble baths. They love it like crazy. Man, and they love that. My cat's love drinking water but they don't love anything else about it that right? that's, that blows my mind but before i get you know sidetracked on that and go down that rabbit hole and never come out the the story and the creative aspects and everything that you have have to put into these novels to make them you know a full-paged fleshed out story with a beginning middle and end what is your process for not only you know creating characters but holding yourself accountable to keep continuity throughout the story and just I guess maybe being your own filter for what you think will creatively work in the story and what won't. How do you process all that? I know you mentioned you walk around with a notebook and you yeah. uh, you know you do that, but how do you handle all those responsibilities of creating this story? Well, I begin with the title. Some people begin with characters, but for me, it's all about something that influenced me, and I love these quirky titles, so I start there. Then I have a general idea. Okay, what can I do with this? And then as I figure that out, I create the characters. I become the characters okay. in my head. It's not like I'm right. walking around in the house. But I do. I start working on the characters. And I pull out that notebook. Hey, I came across this person once, that name, that character. And that that's the big help. Yeah. Then one other thing in your industry... One thing I was told by an editor is if you can see it in your mind as a movie, you can write it as a book. Wise words. And that is so true because if you take it as you see it, you can write your outline, you can add your dialogue, and take it all the way through if you can see it as a movie in your head. Absolutely. Those are wise words, and that makes a lot of sense. And I'll be honest, I'm an English major. Sometimes the literary adaptations of a book are much better than the screen adaptation, and it just it's night and day difference. But that's a very wise way to look at it. And in that process, too, especially like when you get the first manuscript done, the first draft done, and you send it off, do you... Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. Maybe take a page out of the actor's playbook and submit it and forget it until you get that uh, feedback back from them. Or do you like wait on pins and needles to get the response back? What's that like for you? I, I think the first manuscript that I wrote, it is the weirdest title you'll ever want to hear, but it has not been published. And um, so that first one I did, I finished it. I, I wrote it by hand the first time and then I actually discovered when I was editing it putting it on the laptop my thoughts just flowed so much easier and better but then this was like I said it was within that 10 10 years ago um, and I spent two years back then it was snail mail you made mm-hmm. your copies you spent a fortune oh, yeah. sending it out well world has changed 
after many years after that, it was like to send it out by email. Mm-hmm. And but the first one, I continued writing, but it took me two years to finally hear back. And you would hear back wow. in dribs and drabs. And when I would see something come back, yeah, you're related. But like anything positive for me was good feedback. So it's like thank you, but no thank you. But like we think it's a great idea. Stick with it. That was always, I went, wow, that's great. And I just went back to writing and I went yeah. on to the next thing and I tried again and I tried again. And that's, and I think that's one of the things we've discussed is if you have such a passion, it's such a part of your soul, never, ever give up on yourself. Absolutely. Because um, if you stick with it, I can promise you it'll happen, not overnight. But it'll happen if it's such a passion that you have, it'll happen for you. That and it could be anything. Truth. It doesn't have to be writing books. Yeah. that I mean, that is the truth. And it's like you said earlier, too, when you put it out there to the world or you put it to your higher power, whatever your religious domination, uh, denomination or beliefs may be, you will get something back. You will get something, but you have to be confident in that process and you have to be willing to accept that feedback and be open to receiving it as well and that's that's something that i've also seen you know actors and authors are two different worlds but i've seen it come back and bite people in the butt and sometimes derail their careers where they're so gung-ho and stuck on an idea they've come up with or a creative endeavor and they're getting feedback about ways they can tweak it or ways they can edit it to to make it better and take it to that next level of publication whatever it may be, but they fight it the entire way and it ends up costing them. How do you take that feedback when you get it back from a publisher or an editor and they say, we like this, but maybe try it this way or maybe take this part out so there's more continuity. What is your process for taking that where you don't get so tied to what you did that you're not open to feedback, so to speak? I think if I had reached that point where I had a publisher come back and say, Mary, do this, I would have jumped on it and bent over backwards. Right. But I never got that far. It wasn't until I signed the contract that I sat down with that creative editor. And that's the whole of the world. Here you're, my God, I got the book deal. And you're so elated. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's the creative end of it. And you meet your editor. And the editor shreds what you have. So now you have to build a thicker skin. You right. have to fight. Like I've learned, I fought for things that I said, no, this has to stay in. But I have to tell you, an editor, um, they are unbelievable. They know what they're doing. They take what you have. They manipulate it. They massage it. They move this, that. It's your work. But they take it to the next level. And I've learned that. Absolutely. But it's a tough process. Because they're very tough and you have to say, you know, here you spent hours writing it and they're like, no, gone, 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 (laughs) gone. But when you see what they, the finished product, it's unbelievable. And then after, and then I've learned after all of that, then you have to market, which is a whole other world. Oh, yeah. And that's a, that's a daily learning experience in itself. I'm, yes. I'm speaking from experience here because I want to work with multiple projects, do voiceover, whatever it may be, promote myself to another wrestling company. There is so much you have to do that a lot of people don't think about. They think, oh, I'm going to be an actor. Oh, I'm going to be an author. And 
they're just oblivious to this entire other world that can be a very stressful thing if you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, I can't even imagine how people did it back in the day when they didn't have social media at their fingertips to promote or Amazon to help promote whatever it may be. And it's just... It, the marketing is so key in getting your word out there, getting your name out there, and getting people familiar with your brand. It's just, it, it's the key ingredient I think a lot of people don't look at the way they should, or they even forget about it. Well, as I said, the world has changed. Yep. Um, back then, 10, 15 years ago, you only had the major publishers, so you only had so many authors. But the world has opened up, and mm-hmm. if you can break through it and stick with it, you know, um, then you have every opportunity in the world. That's the truth. That is the truth. And then I I think we've really covered a lot of my questions, but I've got one big one that we haven't really discussed yet. And that is, you mentioned at the start of the show, your kids are grown, they're out, they're adulting now. Yes. They're conquering in the adult world. What is your family life like when you were in the zone writing these manuscripts? Do you have to block off time to do the manuscript and have family time? Do you just have certain days where it's nothing but manuscript? What was what was all that like, and what is it like now? Well, I put, for me, I wore all those hats, and I really put my family first. Amazing. So all those dreams were put on the back burner. It wasn't until the kids actually went off to college mm-hmm. that I had that free time now right. to myself. And um, my my second book, I went with the new publishing house, All Women in Digner House. So I'm promoting them big time. Absolutely. And they were interested in my trilogy. So the first book of my trilogy, here's another quirky title, The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper. Now, I get jokes all the time when I'm in interviews, <laughs> the toilet wallpaper, right. and it's, it, it's hysterical. I love it. But what is Toile? Here's a whole other world. Now, Toile is so much a part of our everyday life. You see it in wallpaper. You see it in fabric. And its history goes back over two centuries. But I'm going to put up um, a toile. This is a fabric, just to give you an yeah. idea. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm just going to, okay? Mm-hmm. It's, this is a little bit more antique but it can be contemporary. And what toile is, is a um, an artistic item. Two very vibrant colors that are put on wallpaper or on fabric. And it tells a story. And um, I lived in Connecticut for 30 years where I raised Mm -hmm. my family and when they left. And in the north, I live in Florida now. So now I'm I'm, I'm in white and I'm in paint. But back then, I mean, and I still love toile wallpaper. I had it all over my house. And I would walk by and I would see scenes of, like, people living their lives. And I said, okay. There's romance there. There's betrayal. There's this. Yeah. So I started with the title, The Girl in the Twelve Wallpaper, and I wrote, this is my favorite genre, fantasy adventure intertwined with um, romances. I love and it. And it became the first book of the Star Writers 
trilogy. Right now, I am in, still in editing the second book of the trilogy. Okay. So that should be out hopefully by the end of the year. I mean, I would have a cover reveal and a title, but we're still playing with that. Right, right. So I can't really tease the audience that. And then next year will be the third book of the trilogy. Absolutely. So, um, that's what keeps me going now. When you ask me about my family, they're gone. So now I have the time for right. me. This is now my second career. Absolutely. And I, I just kind of thought of one other question here, too, because yes. it, it's something I've dealt with. It's taught me a little bit more about time management as well. But when you're wearing all the hats as a mom or as a wife and having a job and everything else and kind of putting the creative yes. endeavors on the back burner, did you have a sense of feeling unfulfilled creative, like creatively? Because I've dealt with that where I've had a great time with my family or I've had a, a great paying job, but I just, I didn't feel happy and I didn't feel fulfilled. Did you ever encounter that when you were going through all that before you started the process once the kids were grown? No, I mean, just, um, raising the kids and doing all that stuff, I felt very fulfilled, but I didn't have time to think twice because um, I didn't have time to say, oh, I feel sorry for myself because you just have to keep going. Their lives are moving at this speed and you have to keep moving. So by the end of the day, I personally, there are the women that wear many more hats than probably what I did. Right. I I would just like, you know, fall asleep on the couch. But it really wasn't until I had that time for myself. Like, they were off mm-hmm. on their own. And college. and they still would come home, obviously. Oh, yeah. They still needed me. But now I had that freedom to really just pursue my love. I love so, it. So, I mean, you know, as I say in um, the Star Writers Trilogy, The Girl on the Tall Wallpaper, it's written in the stars for each one of us. And really what that means is each one of us has that destiny. And um, if it hasn't happened yet, it's just you're not at that point in your destiny where it's taken place yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I love that, too, because it all comes back to not only what you said in this interview multiple times, but what we said before we started recording, too. If you're passionate about it, you just have to keep pushing through because it will come. And that's something that you can't force as well, because if the time is not right, it's not going to be a successful endeavor. When the time is right, the big man upstairs, or like I said earlier, whoever you may pray to, the universe itself, it knows when the time is right. And it's on its time, not your time. So you just have to be patient, be passionate, and just keep striving to get to that finish line because it will come. You just don't know when. But Exactly. You, exactly. You hit the nail right on the head. I, that happens every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mary, we're going to take a quick little break here. And when we come back, we're going to put one more hat on your, uh, on your mantle up there. Because we're going to put one more job that you have in your life on. But let's take a quick pause for a word from our advertisers. And we'll be right back. Okay. And we're back. All right. So I kind of teased it beforehand. A lot of our diehard listeners will know what's coming next, but Mary, it's time to put on that other hat because for about the last, you know, 40 minutes or so, I've been throwing questions your way. I've been asking about the process, building the thick skin, everything that goes into creating these amazing books. But now it's your turn to turn around and ask me some questions. I know that you said you did your research. You've got your questions ready. 
I don't know I'm what they excited. are, so I'm I'm, ready. I'm excited too. Let's make it happen. You're in charge now. Well, I have to say, Flynn, you're an impressive guy yourself. Oh, thank you. I mean, all your accomplishments and everything, and um, you're in a whole other industry that I am just like amazed at, and the things that you have done with the wrestling and your acting and all Thank of you. that. Like that to me is unbelievable. But here are my questions. Okay. I can ask you anything I want. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You may get this a lot. Okay. But um, who knows? All right. You were in the WWE from 2007. Did you ever meet Dwayne Johnson or work with him? Uh, well, un- unfortunately, I wish I could say I was with the WWE that long, but I've done some uh, some on-screen appearances as an extra talent in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I haven't met Dwayne Johnson, but I did meet his cousin who, by the time this airs, may still be on top of the business, but his cousin, Roman Reigns, who is just making tremendous leaps and bounds as a performer and just as an icon all around. Yeah. I did meet him, and I also inadvertently bumped into Dwayne's former boss, Vince McMahon, in catering. Okay. So, you know, it's yep. not not necessarily Dwayne, but still pretty close. It was cool, but I'd, I would love to meet him in person. Yeah, he seems like a really, really nice Absolutely. guy. Because so I'm reading about you, the WWE, and he's the WWE. Oh, yeah. I thought maybe your past hopefully hopefully one day and if not there maybe on a movie set or maybe in a studio because he he kind of set the trend too for wrestlers breaking that mold to get into acting because like you know john cena dave batista whoever it may be they're very talented people that just didn't get the look because of wrestling but he not only shattered that mold he's motivating for you know getting up and getting your exercise in no matter how busy you are staying driven and dedicated to make these things happen like he's just an all-around role model as far as i'm concerned yeah and what i love is because i love that fantasy adventure genre because Mm -hmm. life is too real and those are the movies he does oh yeah jumanji the new jumanji series Mm -hmm. um the franchise yeah that's fantasy adventure the um what was that the disney ride that he just did um, oh, the, um was it for moana like a, um, uh, where it's the he's the jungle cruise oh okay that yeah movie, yeah the jungle cruise that's another fantasy adventure so he does a lot of fantasy yes, he adventure does. movies so i really love those because that's my favorite genre. absolutely okay Here's my next question okay. for you. We both adore cats. You have two rescues. Mm-hmm. What are their names? My oldest is Lexi, and my wife and I actually adopted her right maybe a month after we got married. And then our second cat is, man, I he's got the nickname of the Million Dollar Cat because he had a lot of health issues after we rescued him, but his name is Jackson. And Aww. my wife is a big Grey's Anatomy fan, so that's where they got their names from. But they are our only two pets right now, and they they survived living with big dogs in the house, and they still ran the place. So Oh, they, it's amazing, isn't it? It is. It really <laughs> is. And they know how to make you love them for a little bit. Then, like, before we started recording, I had to text my wife while she wasn't here. You know, Jackson just runs up on the couch, rubs up on me, and then he bites my finger. So... Right. Do you be ma- are you mad at him? Do you love him? Like, 
What what can you do? He doesn't. He knows what he's doing, but you can't be mad at him. So they're just they, as I said, big cats are amazing. Little cats are amazing. Oh yeah, they think they're big cats though. That's that's the main thing. One of the many things I'm impressed with, and there lot to be impressed with you. Oh, thank you. I wanted to hear a little bit more about what voice acting is. Okay. Um. Well, this is. I might get on my soapbox for a minute if that's all right because <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna absolutely. I'm gonna break a lot of stigmas that people have about it, and this is something that I grew up thinking too. But once I got in and got educated, I learned there was a lot more to it. When it comes to voice acting, it's a little V and a big A. It's not so much the voice you do, but as we mentioned earlier, it's the authenticity and the acting that you bring to the table. You may not be seen on camera, but you're still performing and acting behind a microphone. And yeah, being able to do voices is great, or like having the 13 different dialects that I've learned is a great thing to have. But if I can't act to back it up, then it's really just talking into a microphone and wasting my time. Because a lot of people will jump in, and I've had a lot of people ask, hey, I can impersonate this person, or I can do this impression, or I can do this, and I, I always tell them, that's that's great, that's a great skill to have, but how's your acting? You know, like, have you had any acting experience? Have you done any improv, theater, whatever it may be? And a lot of the times they'll say, oh, no, I thought it was just doing voices. Well, I I wish I could say it was, but, you know, it's it's acting more than anything else, and that's the biggest thing people don't really look at, a lot of people just look at it as reading from a mic, like reading a script into a microphone yeah. and or doing a crazy voice, which I can do crazy voices. But again, if I can't make them authentic or bring some emotion to them, it does yeah. nothing. Now, going going back to the impressions, I will say if you can be a voice mimic for somebody like a celebrity, like let's say Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr., for example, and I've actually had some friends that have booked roles like this. Because they can closely mimic their voices, and when, you know, whatever game studio wants to put out an Avengers game but doesn't want to pay the fees to bring them in, they can okay. bring these people in that can mimic their voices and, you know, get them in the video game and get them the credit for it. But also, too, like, if you look at the Star Wars franchise, this is one of my favorite ones. Um, in the prequel trilogy, especially, Ewan McGregor um, as Obi-Wan mm -hmm. Kenobi. He was not going to be paid to come in and, you know, voice in the animated Star Wars stuff that came after because that's just too high of a fee, and rightfully so. However, there is an actor that is very local to my area um, named James Arnold Taylor who could match his voice, and he got the job of the animated Obi-Wan Kenobi, and now they are... Basically, when you say Obi-Wan Kenobi, these are the two guys you think of, and it all came from being able to not only mimic Ewan's dialect and his delivery, but he's also able to bring that character to life where it keeps continuity with what the actor did on screen, too. So yeah. there's a lot that goes into it more than just doing the voice, but yeah. sometimes having that voice in your you know, in your repertoire can help you out, too. Right. And you know what always impresses me, Flint? It's like, you know, you watch a movie... And you'll say, oh, anybody could do that. Oh, no, no, no. no. It's a gift. It really it, it is. It's truly a gift because when you watch some actors that are horrible um, and then you watch the people that are just amazing yes. with that gift, it truly 
And I'll actually, I'll drop a little bit of, uh, I guess we'll call it just a little nugget of wisdom here that my improv teacher, uh, Jonathan Pitts, who's been a former guest on this show, actually taught me and several other people too. He said, a lot of people go into improv thinking that you have to be funny or you, you have to be funny in certain situations and it comes off forced, whereas you miss your chance to be comedic and funny just with your own natural timing and reactions. Right. You yeah. don't have to try. If you're in the moment and you respond accordingly, then your natural reaction is where the humor and the comedy comes in. And a lot of people, that still hasn't clicked with them. And they, they're yeah. Hollywood A-listers. And sometimes you can tell when that happens. Right. And some of the like the best comics, they're just telling their life stories. Yes. And they're with their family. You just, and it's just Right? You just have to know how to mesmerize and pull yes. that audience in and be a good storyteller, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me see. That was question three. Mm -hmm. So, okay, question four. How do you deal with stage fright? Does it make you better or does it impede you? Man, okay. So I, for the longest time when I was growing up, it impeded me to no end. Um, but... Once I got into the wrestling world, especially, I, I started to thrive under pressure because th there's an old saying that if you don't feel anxious or you don't have the butterflies in your stomach before you go out, your your time is done. Like you need to, to hang it up and go on to the next one because you're phoning it in. And that's 100% true. And it's the same thing with certain auditions that I do or even like performing in class workshop settings, especially if I'm not one of the first ones to go. And people are tired. Yeah. People are just, you've got to find a way to bring them in and also not psych yourself out at the same time. But I, I've come to learn that that feeling, I thrive off of that. Now, I may have an adrenaline dump after the fact, but like you get such a high when you're finished with your performance that you, you feel untouchable for a little bit. And if somebody could market that as a drug, they would be, they would be a billionaire. But yeah. it, it's just an amazing feeling. And, if I ever get nervous for anything, I have to remind myself, you know, like, I, I, why are you nervous? Not to be crude, but you've performed in front of thousands of people in revealing spandex and knee-high boots. And if you can do that, you can do this. So right. <laughs> just get over it and have fun. Right, right. Um, I am very fascinated by the 13 dialects that you do. You and, and plus you're an ordained minister, which yes. I'm very impressed with as well. Oh, thank you. But like you do that British style, the Cockney, the Irish, the French, the German, the Italian. Like how do you keep all those like different dialects in check? And then I'm there's the Scottish, there's the Welsh. Yeah. Like <laughs> and and the, here's the thing too. Like there are some that are easier for me to fall into than others. Yep. There are some that I really have to stop and think about and I may still not be the best at but it's also too making sure that I approach it from a place of respect and not a place of playing off a stereotype because that's very easy to do especially in today's day and age but again it's it's something that's I've learned is um being an like, English like do, do you wake up in the morning and you come down to breakfast with your kids and your wife in a different you know dialect I mean I love that like my husband <laughs> I love it. So I would love to be around somebody with a different dialect every day. 
see, that's that's the fun part is that my my oldest son will sometimes roll his eyes at it. My three year old, um, he laughs, but he doesn't really know what's you know, like what's going on. But when I really get into it and I really get into character, is if I'm with my brother in law or with some of my friends and we're just hanging out in the other room while everybody else is together, our wives are playing with the kids, whatever it may be, and we just start talking and have fun, and then I'll just start doing it. Because I'm I'm making fun of something I heard like um you know like a, a I've got the southern tidewater this really 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 deep southern drawl accent yes. that you you think plantation owners would have and I start carrying on this conversation talking to these men in this slow yes. slow voice and I just keep talking and I keep believing that I'm that plantation owner flicking his suspenders and chomping on a cigar with my top hat up here. And I just, I go into that and it just, I, I commit to it. I believe it. And I have a little sentence that I'll say, or I have something that will get me into that, that dialect because there are certain words and shifts that happen. And it's a whole big thing that you have to like visually see to understand what I'm talking about because there's a, like a phonetic alphabet that is universal and just, will blow your mind if you don't know what you're looking at. You think you're looking at hieroglyphics, but it's just, it's crazy that there's so many different dialects, but the reason the ones were chosen for me that I learned are the ones that I was most likely to be cast for in roles and would actually be able to help teach other actors, which has happened um, with some of my stage uh, work now too. I've been able to help other actors learn these dialects and, get ready to, you know, either travel abroad or perform with them, but it really all just comes down to having a set word or sentence that you can say to get you in that mode or get you in that shift or get you in that vocal placement where you know that you can get that shift or you can change the I to an E or however it may be and remember it so that you don't sound like somebody just impersonating it, you're actually doing it. Yeah, it, I, I find it's very fascinating. It's very difficult. But I would love to have my husband be French one day, Italian the next. He could he could you with the with the with the language of love, yes. <laughs> See and I, I I'm not a the French is not one of my strongest. I can do it in a comedic fashion, but if I was trying to be serious it may sound passable or good to some people, but to me I'm I'm my own worst critic. But Irish, British, um, anything like that, that's a little bit more my wheelhouse. And those tend to be more the ones that I've been cast for. But oddly enough, that Southern Southern draw that I was doing earlier is the one that has landed me more bookings than anything else, which is completely weird because it landed me a job in Germany of all places. So I don't, I don't know how that works, but that's what they were looking for. And it made it for their, their mobile game. So I, I will take it. Yeah. No, and you're an ordained minister. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, I haven't gotten to do any weddings, but that option (laughs) is out there. So if anybody needs it, you know, just check the show notes for my email. I'll gladly, I'll gladly officiate your nuptials. You should do it with your dialects. That would be. I could. I gotta depend on the audience though, because I don't want somebody's mom and dad trying to chase me down after the fact, saying I ruined it. But if I walk in like that, they may never know that I don't speak that language. So we'll. That's right. I might might have to steal that idea and give you credit for it when it happens. (laughs) I love it. Man, those were some great questions. And again, it's like 
these this question thing has taken on a life of its own and i yeah. i sound like a broken record and this no. is probably the only thing that gets repeated in this segment but every week my guests bring these amazing questions and they're always so different from the previous person asking them and i'm always put on the spot and respond in the moment so i just i love this i love the feeling of you know handing you the keys and letting you drive the car for a little bit and just it's fun it is yeah, it really it's is fun on the other side and we each come to you from a different perspective yes absolutely so, um i see you in a different way than somebody else may see you so absolutely and see yes. that's the thing too it's it's a unique perspective and not only that you you gave me some very high praise which was a very nice confidence booster. I swear I didn't pay her for any of those compliments. So thank you <laughs> no, so much for that. I, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart. When I read about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. So I mean that. Thank you. Truly. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm guilty of thinking I dabble in too many things to commit to one thing fully, but it's like, Everything kind of all compounds into one end goal at the end of it, and it all helps each other. It's all one big kind of like synergy, and I I love learning. I love being able to help teach these other people or, you know, teach wrestlers character development because of my acting background or teach an actor a dialect. It's it's such a fun thing, and it it makes it all worth it at the end of the day, and then praise like that is just like the the cherry on top. It's, It's an amazing feeling, so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, and that's what keeps us authors going, too. We that's get a little it. bit like, oh, that was very good. My editor will say, oh, I like that. I went, oh, good. <laughs> yes, nailed it. <laughs> nailed it, yeah. That's it. <laughs> and actually, something that you mentioned, too, is that, you know, like your second book in the trilogy will be coming out, you know, hopefully by the end of this year. Yep. So by the time this airs, that book should be out, and we'll have links to that in the show notes, too. So that's another little cherry to yep. uh Entice yeah, our listeners and, um, to check the links. You know, I, I, what was very sad during this whole COVID thing are all these independent bookstores that closed. Yeah. And I would do a lot with them. And, you know, you bring in people and everything. And so many of them have closed. You know, but my books are everywhere. I mean, they're in Amazon, of course. They're in Barnes and They're in any independent bookstore. Mm-hmm. They're not on the shelf. They'll have it the next day. Right. So, you know, I'm always trying to push the independent bookstore. Absolutely. And it's, it's nice to have the brick and mortar still because... So so many places have closed, like you said, during COVID or it was already in the process beforehand. Yep. And it's nice to still be able to go in there because I there used to be a Barnes & Noble five minutes from my house. I would spend as much time as I could there. If I knew yeah. a book was dropping, I'd be there when they opened. Now it's just, it's kind of not fun pre-ordering it unless you forget that you pre-ordered it. Then you get the notification, your book will be delivered tomorrow. And it's, yeah. you know, that's... That's exciting, but there's nothing that beats the feeling of actually going to a brick-and-mortar store and finding oh, what you're and, looking for. And holding the book in your yes. hands. I hope we never lose that. Because, yeah, yeah e-books are great, but to hold a book in your hands. Yeah, I'd rather read right. it on paper. And as, I'll yeah. be honest, too. I do listen to audiobooks when I'm traveling. Yep. That's that's a nice yes. way, too. But That's yeah, a I great would, thing, too. I would much rather have the paperback copy if I could, if that's the only option to get it. Man, this has been a fun conversation, and I can't believe that it's already gone an hour. Like, I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record again, but it, it flies by so quickly. Yes. And this was our first time corresponding outside of email, and 
I feel like I've just been chatting with a friend the entire time, somebody that I've known for years, and this has just been Same here. a fascinating learning experience. So thank yeah. you so much for not only being patient, but being willing to be on the show and go like just being willing to be flexible with the ups and downs I was going through to make this happen. This is this has been an absolute pleasure for me. Same here too, Flynn. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much. And guys, you you know what I'm going to say here. Thank you all for tuning in. You already know I'm going to have links for everything Mary's got going on. I'm going to make it easy to get your hands on those books if you want to go the Amazon route. Those links will be in the show notes, and you can keep up with everything Mary's doing. And I know that you'll be back next week because you know I'm coming back with another awesome interview and another awesome chat. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you check out what Mary's got going on and go out there and do some good in the world and come back next week for another awesome chat. So Mary, go ahead. And and listen, Flynn, um, they can come go to my author website, www.marykfabries.com and they can connect with me at any time. Yes, ma'am. So thank you for letting me say that. Of course, that's going to be top of the links down there too. I'm going to make it easy for them to get contacted with you and it's going to be a just get as much traffic on that website as we can. So let's make it happen. And let's make Amazon sell out of the books while we're at it, too. It's at two right now. When this drops, they'll be restocked. Let's get those books sold out, too. Let's make it happen, guys. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being here. Guys, thank you for tuning in again. For myself, for Mary, thanks so much for listening to the chat and coming back this week. Check in next week when I'm back with another awesome episode. Go out and do some good in the world. And make sure you're doing some good for yourself, too. And I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. We thank you for tuning in this week, and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.